Today's Operational Excellence episode features Leif Magnuson, one of the co-founders and CEO of Tip House. In this conversation, he sits down with Fuse GP Brennan Wales to share about some of his creative tactics for operating leanly and efficiently, and he'll share a bit about how it's helped Tip House accelerate its revenue growth tremendously. Let's get started. Thanks, everyone, for joining us today. We have a, a great guest uh, to share a little bit about his journey from several hundred thousand in revenue to several million in a matter of two years. It's sort of been our theme of 10xing in a short period of time, which is extremely important for an early stage startup to get to the point where they can cover a lot of their costs. This man right here is, has done that in a very short period of time. So Leif Magnuson is the founder and CEO of Tip House. They solve some huge issues for the services workers out there that get paid out in tips, solve issues for the individuals and the businesses that, that, that operate with this type of worker, which is just a huge group of people. And so Leif, uh, thank you again for the time. Why don't we just start off right, with, right off the bat? Tell us what Tip House is the best in the world at. What we basically do is help employees get more equitable distributions of tips. On average, 25 to 40% of tips that you give to a server are going to supporting staff. We kind of sit in between and and help figure out where and who should be getting that tip money. We're the best at that, making those outcomes the most equitable, the most transparent, and then uh, you know reducing the amount of time that these operators have to spend, restaurant owners have to spend managing spreadsheets or, or dealing with disgruntled employees and things like that. During our diligence, I was sort of blown away by how complex this stuff is. Uh, most would think that it's fairly easy, but uh, primarily because it was all done with cash before, but that, that shift to more card payments and digital payments certainly adds a lot of complexity to it. What made you decide to build the product in the first place? I was consulting for a local restaurant group, Ferrelli's Pizza, but I was tasked with upgrading their tech stack. One of the elements that was evident was that we needed to get something in place to manage the, their tips, um, You know, bring it all into the cloud and just make it automated. Uh, we onboarded a, a competitor, I won't name names, but um, it just lacked a lot of very basic logic that, that uh, the restaurant uh, thought should exist. I tended to agree with them. And then they kind of badgered me over the next four months to create something eventually caved and, and, and put together an MVP over six months. And, you know, specifically for their uh, logic needs. You know, I, I always say to our team and, and to our limited partners that uh, you, you're one of the most empathetic founders as it relates to the end customer that, uh, that, that we work with. And I always joke around that whenever I have an idea in the board meeting, you instantly push back with the reason why that's not a good idea. It's because <laughs> you know the customer so well, which is, which is great. And we, we prefer it that way. Uh, now, you've, you've experienced just this insane amount of growth. You know, we invested six months ago, not even, and the company is more than doubled in that period of time. Uh, that, that's usually not the case. Usually there's some hurdles, especially after raising some money. But what did you wish you knew then that, that you know now maybe ar- around kind of that explosive growth, the good, the bad, and the ugly that that comes from it? As far as it relates to fundraising, I was somewhat naive in the, and it's not like this information wasn't out there. I just didn't really believe it. You know, I'm I'm not fairly like heads down, let's focus on the customer. Let's create a great product. The people will come and, 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 you know, revenues will go up in accordance. And when you're out fundraising, the biggest indication of valuation is market conditions from, (laughs) from my experience, you know, you could be doing far better, you know, we, we saw 2021 bump valuations way up. And then, you know, when we went out to raise afterwards, you know, valuations were, were um, you know, compressed greatly, uh, even though the company was operating far better, you know, we had far better traction and all that kind of stuff. So it's hard to time for, especially when 
you know, your early stages, you don't have like a, you know, a ton of runway or, or you don't have the ability to lay off 50% of your sales force or yeah. something like that in order to extend your runway. So, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's hard to be tactical uh, on mm-hmm. that front, but if you can make the stars align, you can be in a far better position from a um, giving up equity position. Yeah. Right. And and one thing we love about you is how thoughtful you are about spending money and, you know, definitely more on the, on the frugal side, which we really appreciate looking back, you know, just the last six months, where do you say, Hey, there's some room for improvement going into that hyper growth. The hardest part about our business in particular in, as it relates to growth, is not so much on the sell side. It's more on the maintaining our level of customer service we're going to spend X amount of revenue on customer success support regardless. Mm-hmm. In our industry, restaurants and you know, hospitality hotels, you're dealing with people that are very sensitive to the way that mm-hmm. they're treated by by vendors, right? People talk a lot. It's a smaller industry than you would think. You know, if you own a 50 unit restaurant concept, you probably have other buddies that do too. And you know, you kind of share notes with each other. So that's something that we've had to hone in on. Um and, and pay special attention to increase processes around find cheap ways to allocate labor to that because it can it gets very expensive very quickly. But one of the tactics that we're utilizing currently is is outsourcing to you know developing countries to to bring on the talent required to kind of uh, man that ship. Sometimes that that talent is better than here domestically, especially on the on the CS side of things. What's worked better than expected? The, the last six months for you, for you. You mentioned that the, the sales side, there's always been a lot of demand there. Maybe that's it. Maybe it's something else. Our push in enterprise went way better than we thought it was. Um, enterprise is super scary from, you know, when you're selling to SMB and everybody talks about, oh, you're going to get yourself in a ton of trouble on the enterprise side. It's so hard. We had to make a few tweaks and changes. Sure, it, was, it wasn't like an easy job, but it, it took about three months for the product team to kind of initiate those changes. It just went far easier than than we thought it was going to go. You're one of these businesses where you've got this massive macro trend and a problem that is quite pervasive uh, across an entire industry or or workforce, uh, which is pretty unique. I think that's a large part of why you've been able to do that so fast. I do think it is different for depending on the product that that you're... um, that you're selling. Ours didn't have a lot of deviation from a product perspective, you know, going to enterprise shirtless SSO. And, and if you're selling a product and then all of a sudden you have to create a whole new product for enterprise specifically, or those enterprise customers are requiring a ton of customization. I think that that would be yeah. far trickier. Luckily we didn't in- encounter that. You were already building for multiple stores right off the bat too. Yeah. Yeah. Which, yeah. which helped, you know, some people may not realize this, but you know, you're selling the huge chains already before you moved you know, into the enterprise. Yeah. Build for scale early on. I mean, you know, tell your, tell your CTO, you know? Yeah. And one of the unique things about your business is that you're obviously selling to businesses, but you also have the end wait staff or back of the house staff that you're also needing to provide a good customer service to, because they're going to have questions around how to access their money, or it seems like you're putting that customer experience first. Taking a step back to raising capital, What's sort of your internal philosophy around it? Personally, because I'm a bit on the frugal side, you know, we 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 were born or conceived during the COVID era. And so um, I think that's kind of like built into our blood at this point, you know, just be more careful than anything else. And I mean, I, I think that's been reinforced as I talk to really good founders. It's like, yeah, the key is keep the business alive. Like, 
if you've got a good product, I mean, it might take you longer in certain cases to get there. But if you keep powering forward, you'll get there eventually. So it's like, how long can you stay in the game for? So I tend to make sure that we're always kind of like at a default live situation where if we needed to, we could hit that, you know, inflection point in, in X amount of months. I'm not saying it's like, oh, look, if we didn't have any more sales from this date on, we're going to, you know, we need to have enough money in the bank account to hit, you know, 12 months. Cause that's, I think that's a little aggressive, but utilizing historical data, it's like you can kind of assess where your, your, your sales trend line is going to go. I guess don't prepare for COVID at every single moment of, of your journey. Thinking back on the ability to grow quickly, as we've talked about, you did it sort of in a really lean fashion. But when you when you think about the team that you pulled together, what would you say if there was one important hire or maybe one team member that was the most critical during that stage? Was, was there one kind of individual unit that that really helped propel the business? I wouldn't attribute it to any singular person. I think the most important thing in any software company is having an amazing product, which is highly reliant on your CTO and and development staff. Like that is so much more critical than just about anything else. Um, Get a good product that people want that, you know, that's scalable. That's, that's, that's the foundation of the business. Everything is built off of that more important than finding some, you know, rock star employee. It's like having a bunch of really good, loyal employees that just kind of feel like they're a part of, you know, part of something. People use the word culture, but it's like, you know, we work very hard to make sure that everybody, everybody's heard, everybody's empowered, everybody is kind of on this track to success with us via, you know, um, vesting of shares and all that kind of stuff. Hey, look, I know you got a raise six months ago, but you crushed it. You know, we're hearing such good things. Here you go. You know, and so there's a lot of that going on. You know, you're basically creating a, a finely tuned engine that you don't have to manage as closely because everybody's got the same goal in mind. For you, I, I know that you're, you know, extremely responsive, very fast in, you know, follow-ups on, on things. And that permeates through an entire business. You know, if you're you're also moving quickly on on action items rather than waiting, you know, two days, you know, to to answer yep. an email, whatever it may be that. That makes a just a huge impact. How do you think about that when you've got three X the team? Yeah, my strategy right now is super basic. Like we're a fully remote team. Have people get together often, spend the money necessary to encourage that kind of behavior. Maybe you send groups of people to different conferences. They get yeah. to spend time, you know, that kind of thing. Super basic right now, but I'm sure a, a plan will develop over time. What do you think for, for you guys is required, you know, operationally, or it could be your branding, it could be your product to go another 10x in the next two years. We've got the best product, the best service we've got. You know, there's no reason why we should lose out to a competitor at this point, unless the customer is looking for more of a sweet, lower end product. But if they're looking for the best, well, they're going to come to us. And so right now we're at the point where it's just get the word out there, have those conversations. And that's what, you know, when I'm out, out for a series A right now, and that's where a lot of the capital is going to go towards just getting in front of people, attending all the major conferences, getting boots on the ground as far as the sales force goes. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Just a great blocking and tackling. The topic of, of the day, of course, is is AI. How do you think about just building a company that that is able to you know compete with new players that are going to hit you left and right once it's clear that it's a big market. 
I think that those tools are going to be available to everybody. Like I would expect my CTO to understand how to use those things. So they might be able to develop things fast, but we're already have a humongous head start and we're going to be developing things, utilizing those same tools just as quickly. An incumbent like us is looking at is like, we've got a ton of data. How do I, how do I leverage AI to, you know, look at that data and give outputs that are relevant and useful to myself, my support staff or our end users? You know, I, I don't know if that answers your question, but I'm not super concerned about it at this point. Yeah. I think we're all going to have the same tools and it's just going to level everybody up. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And, and final question, you know, just taking a step back to people who are sort of in, in your shoes a couple of years ago, a couple hundred thousand dollars of ARR. What should they be thinking about to, you know, you, you seem to really stay, you know, incredibly present. You said, you know, you didn't even know if it was possible for you to manage a company doing what you're doing now. Any tips or advice for people that are like, hey, how do I how do I get to a million, two million dollars of revenue fast? Getting to that point is just like it's just a ton of grinding and trying a bunch of different things. We're kind of at the stage now where it's more of a, like an automated process on the sales side, the marketing side. You kind of get those systems in place, but going from that hundred thousand to you know a million, one point five in ARR, it's just do whatever works, and you never know what those things are going to be. Especially you know because every business is so unique. And if you're not unique, people don't really pay attention to you anyway. So you have to like think outside the box. And that's where a lot of that creativity comes from. It's hard to outsource at the end of the day. I think it comes from, you know, that founder perspective of like, hey, this is how we need to enter the market. This is what's working. It's just so key to be in on the details uh, at sort of all points in time. I think a lot of founders say, hey, you know, they, they sort of fly at this level where they, you know, loop in their CFO or loop in this other person on a specific yeah. That can cause problems. I've experienced it firsthand. You hire some sort of leader in some sort of division and they come in, like maybe a sales leader or somebody to manage a project and you rely on their data. And then you look at it, it's like, oh, well, you've been monitoring all this data the wrong way. Like, this is, this is right. wrong. <laughs> and I've been listening to you and I've been projecting that out into the world. And now I look like an idiot. Yeah, uh, exactly. So, uh, well, look, thank you so much for the time, Leif. This is awesome. I, kn- I knew you'd do a great job and I'm sure everybody's excited to, you know, to take some of the, the lessons and put them in the field. Thank you, Brendan. Thanks for having me. We hope you enjoyed this conversation. And as always, we appreciate you joining us and we'll see you on the next one.